Welcome to the Aaron Novello Podcast. Are you looking to master the art of real estate sales? Do you want to level up your business and lifestyle? You are in the right place. Aaron and his guests share winning real estate sales strategies and techniques and show you how to win the inner game that leads to financial freedom. Get ready. Here is your host, top producing real estate agent and coach to some of the top agents in the U.S. and internationally, Aaron Novello. The second episode of the Aaron Novello podcast. Again, my intention in bringing guests to this platform is these are people that are hand-selected that uh, I know are operating at really high levels. Uh, I've had the good fortune of knowing uh, this fine-looking gentleman here, Mr. Angel Garcia, for uh, many years now. I don't know. How about like three years now? Four years now? Uh, I mean, I think probably I've known you for a little bit longer than that, but I started uh, working with you uh, about three years, four years ago now. So, yeah, so we worked together in a coaching capacity for a while, and I've watched him grow and uh, continue to expand. And the reason why I wanted to have you on, Angel, is I, when I think about you, man, I think about a couple things. Like one is just like gargantuan ambition, which I love, right? I love that. And the second is is uh, systems. Like I really appreciate uh, the way that your brain works and the way you think about things. So if you would, like first, I guess, just tell us where you're at, you know, in terms of geographic location. Uh, tell us what you're doing in terms of production at the moment. And then what I'm interested in kind of you sharing with uh, the audience is, you know, kind of how you started to implement systems into your business, right? How you went from just kind of being in production and trying to get business to once starting to get business, realizing that uh, systems were required in order to continue to grow and expand. Okay, cool. Well, first things first is I'm, uh, I think the first question was, uh, where am I at? So I'm in Los Angeles. So Los Angeles, uh, California, the area that I'm in is Los Angeles is enormous. It's, you know, three hours from one end to the other end, possibly more, you know, depending on traffic. But I'm in uh, the San Fernando Valley. So anybody that's watching this, send your referrals to me. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but, uh, the so I'm in a very competitive market. L.A. Uh, is extremely, extremely competitive. There's uh, there truly is you know, more agents here, like more licensed realtors at our board than there is the number of transactions happening. So that means less than one deal per agent. Wow. Yeah. Um, and what was uh, the next question? I'm sorry. Yeah. So the next question is, is um, so we, we got where you're at and then tell us what you're doing production wise, like walk us through that trajectory. Like when you got started, Maybe perhaps your initial experience when you got started. I remember you told me this really cool story about uh, seeing an automobile that you really wanted and then yeah. making that come to fruition. And then as you kind of grew, recognizing that, yes, like skills are very important and that's and the hustle was very important. That's what was allowing you to grow, but also that you needed systems to continue to expand. Right. So. The last three years have been hovering right around about 100 deals, uh, as high as 111, um, 117 referrals and stuff like that. Um, and then uh, you know, 90 to 110 to 11 deals or so. Um, and the way I, I, everything obviously progressed over time, like it happened a little bit over time. I had like a pretty big jump actually when you and I actually started coaching, believe it or not. Um, but what was interesting was a little bit more about the experience, but we'll go into that a little bit later. Yeah. Um, the way that I got started into real estate was uh, my dad. My dad's in real estate, and uh, he's 
you know, he's, he, he did awesome in real estate. When I got into it or when I got old enough to become a realtor, uh, he didn't allow me to get into real estate. So I st- went to college and tried to do that old thing. And I just found myself in a sales job. And I kept asking my dad if I can come into real estate now, but the market had just crashed. So wow. he just completely against it, completely against it, pushed me away, pushed me away. But I found a sales job. And uh, luckily, I was able to do really well there. I became the number one sales guy in the country for that company. It's a big company, uh, LA Fitness, um, awesome. for personal training sales. And yeah. it was like, every time I'd get this neat little accolade, like I would be the number one guy in the city, the number one guy at the gym, then the number one guy in Southern California, number one California. I'd go over and I'd be like, Dad, hey, you know what? I, I just, uh, you know, look, look what I just did. Can I, can I come to real estate now? And yeah. uh, he continued pushing me away, kept telling me to go get a degree. And then he would say things like, uh, you know, those aren't like real uh, like salespeople. They're trainers or they're this. And I'm like, all right. So he's like, keep doing it and then keep the consistency going. That's something different. You know, there's one thing to do it once, and there's one thing to do it for a consistent period of time. Mm-hmm. And uh, what was interesting is uh, at that time in my life, I was very uh, concerned that, like, that's where the pressure kind of kicked in, where I needed to actually, where, where I felt like the pressure of my entire life, of my entire life I, I, growing up, I was thinking, I'm going to be a badass, I'm going to be able to do this, I'm going to be able to, you know, do something. And finally, I became old enough. I was 18. So now where I feel like, you know, chains were released and I can go out and take over the world. I went out and moved out, everything. And it was terrible. I remember I, I was, I had, to, I had multiple jobs. I, I was going to school and I wasn't doing good at school. And uh, I, I was like, uh, I was a little bit further from my parents and I, you know, I was too proud. So I didn't want to like come ask them for any help for anything. And um, I realized that like, Money was hard to get at that point. I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> you know, money's uh, tougher than, not, tougher to get than I thought it was. Yeah, and it goes out super simple. My car would break down as soon as I had a little bit of money. Then my money's gone. And I remember uh, there was a point where I was working at the gym, and to, to that little story that you mentioned, I, um, I, I, I was going, I, I was outside, and I would every day I would go out and grab like a little uh, sandwich or something like that while I was working at the gym. And I remember thinking my car had just broken down and I'd just taken the money on my my uh, my account. And I'm like, ah, oh, that sucked. But whatever, I just kept going about my day. I go out, I grab my little sandwich and stuff. I, don't want to, I didn't want to be at the gym because I didn't want to talk. I just kind of wanted to just go grab my sandwich and be alone. I, uh, I sit down on the sidewalk and right out, right outside of the gym, there was this, uh, there's this, I think it, it's, this, it's a big uh, office building. I'm not sure what they do there, but they were making money. Because there was a lot of nice cars there all the time. I remember seeing a car that I really liked. It's a Mercedes CLS 550. Yeah. Love that car. And it was it was new at the time. It was like uh, this is back in 2012. So I think that's when they they first uh, changed the look of it, and it was like brand new. I remember thinking I was like, man, that's a car. Yeah. I remember looking it up, and I found out how much it cost. And I remember as soon as I saw how much it cost, and you know everything else, I was just like, uh, why would I want to spend my money on that? You know. Yeah. And it was at that moment that I realized that I was starting to let go of my dreams. Mm. All the ambition that I had to go out and do something amazing, I, I felt it almost kind of go away of me wanting to have all these nice things and do awesome, amazing things. I, re- I remember thinking that all of a sudden my brain had like shrunk, right? Like, mm. uh, like all of a sudden it felt like I was okay with less. And that yeah. hurt me a lot. 
it really affected me. And I remember seeing it and I remember thinking of the payments and, and I did in my head, I was like, oh, well, why would I want to waste money on something like that? If I had a little bit more money, I wouldn't do that. I don't know. You know, and and it, and it hurt because it, it, it hit me like a, like a lightning bolt. I'm there eating my sandwich. And the second that it hits me, I literally start crying. Really? Yeah, I was crying right there on the sidewalk, um, tearing up. And I remember thinking like, that's, you know, I'm, I'm letting go. I'm never, I'm, I literally almost kind of made myself okay with telling myself, that I don't need to have it to make myself feel better about not being able to have it. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting you say that because I was having this conversation with uh, somebody recently, a client, and, you know, this idea of like self-assessing at a high level. And I feel like um, our culture and, um, you know, perhaps religious training and stuff, like really try to teach us or stomp out of us this idea of ambition that for some reason it's wrong or it's bad. And uh, I was telling my wife the other day, it's like, you know, because I was aware similar to you where, you know, all the way up to 100 deals, I was like holding myself back because I was afraid that if I really let it out, like if I really let the, the ambition out, then I would lose like my wife, I would lose my kids, I would lose. It's a, it's a very similar thing that you were doing. It's like where you shrink to try to make it OK based out of fear. And it wasn't until like I just accepted and acknowledged the fact that like, no, like that's not who I am. Like I'm a lion and, and like I'm not going to be a duck. Like yeah. I won't be happy as a duck. Like I could put on a duck suit and do the duck smile and the duck dance. But like yeah. I'm going to go I'm going to want to go out and hunt because that's like who I am. Right. So that's really an awesome experience. And then that was so powerful for you, like visceral, where it moved you to tears, where it sounds like that shot you out of like a like a rocket. Right. Where you just were like it felt like rock bottom, man. And I was young, you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm just out of high school. And like, I look back and I felt like it's been forever since I left high school at the time. Yeah. But I remember thinking, I was like, man, I'm already out on my own. I should be doing something already. I had so much pressure put on myself about what I should have been accomplishing by, I, th- I was 18 or 19 at the time, right? But I remember I felt like I hit rock bottom. I was losing weight because I was too proud to tell my dad that I, that I didn't have enough money to actually eat, especially when my car would break down and things that would come up. And my dad, you know, he makes good money. Um, you could definitely support me and stuff like that, but I was so proud that I said, I'm going to go out and do it on my own type of thing. And man, that was a painful experience. And then I lost about like 25 pounds and I didn't have weight to lose by the way. So, wow. so, um, but I was, uh, you know, I was, I was too proud to do it and everything else. And I, at that moment, the reason I spent a little bit of time explaining is because that, that was the moment that everything changed for me. And that's truly when I went from, even at the gym where, you know, when it got started off, I was doing okay, but it was just like, boom, just like that. All of a sudden I went in and I said, I'm, I'm going to go and learn this thing. And I remember, and I, I, I remember talking to myself and I started crying and I'm thinking, I was like, why am I not doing any of this stuff? Right. And I go through this entire thing and I'm talking to myself and I'm like, what is wrong? Like, why am I, am I not living up to the expectation that I had for myself? And I remember it was so powerful. Like I, I teared up and I, and it, it still makes me tear, but they talk about it long enough. So I'm going to jump off. Of that, but <laughs> But what happened is that the, uh, the, 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 the experience was so powerful that I remember getting up and I remember thinking, I was like, how do I make more? I was literally chanting like a crazy person and I'm walking down and I'm you know, peanut butter jelly sandwich. And I'm like, how do I come out and how am I going to do this? And I remember walking down the street, someone would probably thought I was crazy, but that was such a powerful moment for me. I've got tears in my eyes. And I remember walking back in there and I said, I'm going to do something somehow, some way no matter what. And I remember making a deal with God and I don't know if you're supposed to do this or not, but we made a deal. And he, and I told him, I was like, man, I, I, I'm so sorry for not doing what I said I was going to do uh, when I came out. 
uh, of high school and when I finally got the chains unleashed and everything else, I remember saying, God, just give me the opportunities. Or no, I'm sorry, don't don't give me the opportunities, I said. I said, just help me see the opportunities. Help me better see the opportunities and I will do whatever I can to take advantage of it. Like I, I will fight tooth and nail to make sure that I take advantage of any opportunity that's put in front of me as long as you just show me how I can see it better. Because right now I'm not seeing it. And then right away, everything changed just like that. I went back and I talked to my dad. I said, hey, I didn't ask him for help for any of the money stuff. I went over and I said, hey, teach me. Teach me sales a little bit more specifically. Teach me what I could be learning. He gave me scripts. I went back to the gym. I practiced them. I chanted them. And I did it just like, you know, like the script said, you know, it said right there, chant these, role play those, practice these, say them out loud. And then you'll kind of internalize them. And I was like, okay, cool. That's easy enough. And I read the actual objection handlers, everything. And I came back and was literally the number one guy at that gym, like by the end of that month. And then Southern California, then California, then the west side of the country, then to the uh, to the entire uh, country. And I remember the uh, CEOs actually even flew into town. Not the CEOs, I'm sorry, the uh, uh, the the VP or whatever came into town uh, to meet with me to basically talk about what maybe I was doing to maybe get things going and and just to just to get in front of me and offer me a different like uh, opportunities. Yeah. Luckily, one of the opportunities was that they gave me my own gym to to run uh, as a as a as a manager, yeah. Spe- specifically the sales department. They moved me closer to home, so I oh. left Santa Monica and I moved over right to the gym closest to home. And I was like, "All right, cool." So that allowed me to get closer to my dad to where I can keep you know beating him up to let me get into real estate. And then finally, when I became the number one guy in the country, I told him I kept going. He kept pushing me away every single time. I got to like that number one guy in the west side of the country, and then my and I told my dad I was like, "Dad, number one guy in the west side of the country." And he's like, "Well, keep it up consistently." I got to number one in the country. I said, "Dad, like I'm, I, I remember feeling like a little like oh, okay, come on," and, and I'm like, I, "It's not gonna get any better than this. There's not a single thing." I'm- bring you at this point that'll be better than this so can i get in yeah like what's up like, can we do this? well and it's so interesting because it's like this idea that like things don't happen to you they happen for you right so like you had this desire to get into real estate and in many ways your dad pushing you away i'm imagining from a long-term perspective was extremely helpful because it caused you to not only hit that bottom right and then be in a situation where you're like, look, I don't know what the way is, but I'm going to either find the way or I'm going to make the way. And it gave you that level of energy and kind of commitment. You know, I see, which I'm sure you do too, because you have the good fortune of being on panels and now people start to ask you questions and you're being a resource for people where I feel like people underestimate um, what's required, right? Like uh, the level of commitment, the level of time, energy, and effort. And I'm aware too, when you hit that point, right? And everybody has in their life in some way, it might be in a personal context, it might be in a business context, you know, where you're just like, that's enough, man. Like this is totally unacceptable to me and I'm going to raise my standard. And then I step into that standard, right? I step up into it. Um, And when you do that, what I'm aware of is, you know, the Latin derivative of the word commitment, it means to share, It doesn't mean to like, you know, like uh, impose your will on the external world. It means to share. So then you start to think like, what am I sharing? And what I'm aware of is for you in that moment, like you shared everything, mind, body, spirit, energy, resources, time, like everything got channeled into this goal and objective. And then you were able to kind of, you know, hone your sales skills and it really prepared you to 
jump into this game. So like, I'm imagining in retrospect, you would have preferred, he just was like, yeah, like, let's just like do this now. But it actually was really beneficial for you. Is that right? It was, yeah, because then it also, it taught me how hard it was to get, uh, you know, to make a paycheck. And then even though I was already doing well there, like, uh, I still wasn't making money, like real money, you know? And I was the top guy in the country, and they promised a whole lot, but it was still hard to get. So number one, it taught me the value of money and it allowed me to experience something that wasn't necessarily like uh, easy, right? Like I had to work really hard and it, brought, it, it helped me find uh, a stronger ambition, you know? And it also allowed me to, to, to respect the, the hustle a lot more. Yeah. So, that was before even getting into real estate. And then when we, it's funny because I've had like certain moments that it felt like I, I, the best way to explain it is like I literally felt like someone released shackles off me and it was like, boom. And I remember I felt that exact same feeling, the same that the day I got my license issued to me, I remember yeah. it was just like I felt like a lion and someone just like like I didn't even, someone didn't let it go. I felt like I just broke it off and I'm like, let's go. Yeah. Um, so I, I felt so good. Um <laughs> I love that, bro. And that's why I said one of the first things when I think about you that pops into my head is ambition, because you have this like gorilla silverback, like lion, whatever we want to describe it. Yeah. And then it's just a matter of, of channeling that. Now, the other thing I think um, that is one of your I, I feel like we all have superpowers, right? Uh, we all have like a genius of some sort. And it's not until we commit ourselves fully does that genius get released. So I think that your ambition is one of your superpowers. I think the other one of your superpowers is, is that you don't just um, kind of channel that energy and like deploy it willy nilly. Like it's very intentional. It's very purposeful. And you're you're very like intellectual. So it's not just like, you know, I'm just going to go like work my ass off sort of thing, which is cool. That's part of it. But it's also very intentional. Right. So talk to me about like, you know, you had the good fortune of kind of being like a Tiger Woods of real estate where you had your dad who was real successful at it. He kind of poured into you and gave you this kind of um, like ramp to take off on. And then what I'm aware of is you did your own due diligence, continue to gather information. That's part of how me and you connected and then was very strategic, right? And purposeful with regards to how you went about going business. And then once you started to get business, how to create those systems to allow you to just take off on the ramp, right? Not just like be, be cruising on the ramp, which is cool. It's not bad, but like we want to you know, have that have some lift to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the it's interesting because uh, so what happened is, is that when I first got started in real estate, it was all based on my time. Right. So like I put every single minute of my time into making a sale. So I was introduced to Mike Ferry instantly the, the day that I got started in real estate. And the, the idea and the concept was very simple, which was make phone calls, make sales, yeah. right? So that's it. like you do that, you do more of that and you'll get more sales. So I said, all right, easy enough. I'll stay on the phone all day long, you know, yeah. and, you know, surely I'll hit a hundred deals. Yeah. That, that was my logic. I was like, all right, well, if that guy's doing uh, that many phone calls, then I'll just do three times as much. And maybe he's a little bit better, but maybe I can make up for it. Well, that, it didn't quite equal out that way. Yeah. In so all the time I had, I did well. I did 24 deals that first year, but I realized that all of my time and effort and everything was put in to the context. Skill was being worked on, obviously, in, in between. I was working on a lot of my scripts and everything, but I still had a long way to grow. Um, what I realized is that I only have so much time in the day. And then that's how learning, skill improvement, and then systems came yeah. into Yes. So 
with systems, uh, you talked about that maybe I'm good with systems. Um, I agree. I think systems is one of my stronger suits. And I think that that's kind of made the difference between a lot of the big jumps that I've had. Being able to take a step back and look at what systems can make the biggest impact on the business to basically close the gap from where I'm at to where I want to be. That's right. So like one of the things I share with people regularly is that you can only grow to the proportion that your systems will allow you to. Yeah. And, you know, oftentimes people are like, oh, like I need another workshop. I need another, I need to work on this. I need to work on skills. It's like, no, nah, man, like your next level, once you learn how to sell and have conversations, which we're always going to hone and refine and make better and constantly be working on, right, to improve not only our intellectual intelligence, but our emotional intelligence, right? So we can connect with people in meaningful ways and be kind of masterful in terms of communication. But what I'm also aware of is for a lot of people, particularly at that like 30 to 50 deal level, their next level is in efficiency, and efficiency has to do with systems, right? So they can get lost in like going to retreat after retreat after retreat or going to workshop after workshop after workshop. And they're just being told that like, okay, just like talk to more people and get better at what you say, which is like, yes. And <laughs> we have to have systems in place. So that way we can, as we're getting these more deals, we throw it over our shoulder and we can continue to, to grow and kind of, you know, create more leverage for ourselves. So I guess I'm curious for you, like what was the first systems that you started to put into place. So you did 25 that first year, you recognize like, hey, I need some systems in place. So what was the first kind of systems that you started to put into place? And then how did that evolve as you started to do more deals? So what happened is, is um, it all comes, so the way that you put systems into place, at least the way that I did is look at the numbers. That, that's as simple as it is, right? So the first system that I realized is that, like I'm, I did 24 deals that first year, the next year, I'm trying to in increase the number of deals I'm doing. So that one's really simple. I just looked at my skills, right? I, I'm tracking my numbers and I looked like, oh, well, you know, I'm going on this many presentations, but I'm only taking this many of them, you know, getting them signed. So yeah. that's a very system, a simple system to put in place. Let me put a system for role playing and a, a, a plan in place for closing the gap. So the, the key to system is basically identifying the areas that can benefit the most from an improvement, right? So let's say, for example, if you're listing presentation, if you're only getting 50% of, uh, of the presentations that you go on, then you know there's a big improvement there. I can literally double my business if I would get all of them. Now, getting all of them, that's a stretch. You know, it's the best in the world, don't get all of them. But let's say if I can close it by 30%, well, that's yeah. essentially like a 70% increase on my business. That's so, right, yeah. That's exactly what I played with, and that's what I continue to play with all the time. So if I look at the very first systems to put in place to grow my business was just skill improvement. The I think the second was now saving time, right? How do I take away time from the things that don't make money to create more time to do things that allow me to make more money, right? So now, for example, uh, getting an assistant in place to handle certain tasks. Then the next system was now, okay, well, I'm doing buyer transactions would take me away from making seller transactions, right? They're taking up a lot of the time, but mm -hmm. they're, you know, they're, they're taking up 80% of the time, but only bringing in, let's say, half the income. So naturally, my next step was, you know, looking to get in a buyer's agent. And then I got a buyer's agent, which, you know, again, just freed me up to do more seller transactions. And again, that allowed me to increase my income. So I just continue to play with that by simply looking at where the biggest uh, spot for improvement was. A lot of the times it was learning from other people for systems that they had in place 
we're seeing like comparing the numbers i'm making this many calls you're doing this much transaction what's the difference there their skill how much of it is, is past client and referral what systems can i put in place that can help create this uh this increase yeah that makes total sense so i was taking notes as you we were talking so yeah, it's like um, first, the, and, and I love that you mentioned this because I think when a lot of people think of systems, they think of like software, they think of like, uh, you know, um, something tangible that they can put in place. But this idea of like skills, right, this like uh, intangible asset and that that in of itself is a system. Yeah. And, and really refining and fine tuning that and not being locked into like, you know, also like just like, OK, this is the way it is and that's it. Um, where initially that could be helpful just to kind of get you off the ground. But the other thing that I know you are constantly doing is like evolving, like you're constantly looking for ways to improve. You're not necessarily attached to where that's coming from, but just that uh, it's the truth, right? So, and then the next thing I wrote down is like that difference between income servicing and income producing and realizing that they're two different things and really, you know, beginning to perhaps get an assistant or something. So that way you can make that shift in the percentage of time that you're spending on income producing activities versus the percentage of time that you're spending on income servicing. And as that starts to inch up incrementally, my experience has been is like a 10% increase in income producing actually equals probably 20 to 30% more production. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, it seems like it's a small incremental change. However, it ends up having an, a much bigger you know, kind of result. So, um, and then the other thing I wrote down is like, as you, this commitment, because one of the things I talk about with, um, you know, a lot of our clients is like this idea of the four noble truths of real estate is what I call it. And one of the noble truths is that all the leverage is on the listing side. So realizing like, okay, as I'm, you know, doing these deals, if I can begin to cleave myself out of the buyer sides, which are more time consuming, perhaps have some buyer's agents, which requires a system then I'll be able to spend my undivided time and attention in PLAN, prospect, lead, follow-up, go on appointments, negotiate deals. And that's going to dramatically improve production. You know, I find it so interesting that, um, you know, when they say like, you know, what you're accomplishing is 80% psychology and 20% mechanics. And I find it interesting, these four noble truths, what's so fascinating about them is that in many ways, they're like the main reason why, me and you are able to do what we do is because we don't deviate from them. I feel like people make exceptions. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, I'll work with this buyer. Or like, oh, like I'll do this admin. Like we have in our mind where it's like just all other options are completely cut off. Like it's not, it's not up for debate. Yeah. And I like, uh, like breaking of like certain uh, mental rules that you have. That's right. Yeah. And, um, that's right. That's exactly right. And then I'm curious. So, so let's say you're an agent and you have, you're kind of making those incremental changes, right? You, you, you've worked on skill. Um, you sought out people that are very skillful at what they do and either role play or get their products and services or, you know, get coached by them or whatever. And then you have an assistant in place, right. Uh, to help you with admin stuff. So you're cleaving yourself out of income, um, servicing activities. Maybe you start to divert, you know, some leads to buyers, agents and stuff. So like, what are some systems from a software perspective? Cause I feel like that's one of the things that you're very, very good at in terms of managing lead flow and in terms of, um, 
really working on conversion. Because what I'm aware of is like all businesses come down to two things. It's like leads and then converting those leads into opportunities, right? So, so talk to me about that a little bit. So technology is amazing because what it does is it allows you to track things really, really well, right? So one of the ways that you can use technology is, you know, like let's say, for example, your CRM, you're able to see the incoming leads and most CRMs can tell you how long it takes for you to respond to somebody. Yeah. Most of them allow you to record the calls when you make the phone call as well. So that way you can see how you did on the call and it allows you to track any team members that you add in. Right. So you can see the communication that's happening between the team members. So one of the things that I started to play with is, number one, everything starts with, you know, I'm, I'm, I have at that faith in I have to surround myself by people that are doing really great things. And that are usually a step or two ahead that can give me some insights as far as what they're doing that I'm not. And then I start putting a little bit because marketplaces are a little bit different. Obviously, price points are a little bit different as well. You know, everything's d- different eras are a little bit different. So I now have to verify that those systems that I want to put in place are going to work. Let's say, for example, response time. This one across the board. I think most people like to get quick responses. Yeah. So if we have a, a CRM in place, I need to see how quickly it, or how long it takes for one of my guys to respond to a lead. How long does it take me to respond to a lead? So nowadays you have a lot of great tools and technology that can help you get that number up. So I'll give you an example. When a lead comes in, your CRM can call you and then say, hey, you just got this new lead uh, from Zillow. Uh, you, you know, Press one to connect with them now, right? Simple system. Dramatically increases the response rate, which dramatically increases the conversion rate, right? Yes. So you look at the biggest tool, like the, the areas for improvement, and there are certain things that you just know. Response uh, times are going to be good, and then consistent follow-up is going to be a great improvement as well. There's a lot of automation tools that you could use to keep consistent uh, follow-up with, uh, with, with your leads that will allow you to just convert at higher levels. For example, I'm super busy. I can't follow up with someone 10 times uh, within you know, three days, right? But I can, ha- I can put technology in place to be able to do that, to send out a text message, to send out an email, to even do a voicemail drop. Um, these types of tools are out there and they're available for you to be able to convert at much higher levels with less time involved, which allows you to now focus on prospecting as well, right? So, yeah. yeah. So those are some examples of like certain systems that you can put in place and there's a million of them. So you gotta also be careful with the noise, but you gotta just figure out where, look at your numbers, figure out where you're losing deals and fix that one problem. And then find the, the biggest problem, tackle down the biggest problem, the one that'll be, that'll give you the biggest return, right? The biggest problem that's easy to also take down. It's so interesting because as I hear you talking about this, I can already hear like people reaching out to me or saying like, Oh man, like as soon as they start to hear about tech or software, like their brain just like stops. Yeah, it just bails. Like it just like, you know, goes out for a picnic or something. And I find it interesting because the demographic, you know, like according to the Association of Realtors, the average agent I think is like 60 something years old, right? Or in their late 50s. So what I'm aware of is, is that their mental map of the world, the way that they kind of see the world operating is different than the men, than the actual reality of what the world is right now. Right. And I think you would agree with that. So I guess the question is, is what is a mistake that you see agents making right now as that business starts to shift? Because you're describing lead flow coming in, software systems being able to reach out to you so that way you can call clients very quickly or potential clients very quickly. So that increases conversion, having system software that autom- like automates 
you know, touches, whether they be text or emails. And I'm aware that that's really where the business is going, right? Uh, that's where it's going. Um, and it, the, the systems also uh, basically are allow you to also reach out to more people as well. So like these systems also exist for prospecting too, right? So like you can put a system in place to double the, the, the quality of the leads that you're hitting up. So if you're calling and you're reaching out to people, one thing, for example, like you know this very well, a probate lead is better, better than a neighborhood lead. Right, I just looked at sold. Right, yeah. so you're going to have a higher chance of conversion in those. So, how do you find the highest quality leads in your marketplace? Right, how do you def- like l- get a list that's going to basically provide you with more qualified leads than that list? Right, mm-hmm. you make little improvements like that to continue moving your business forward. Um, and it, it's, it really that- but like I, it's kind of interesting because what I would propose is is like. To be a high producing agent in the next, I don't know, five to 10 years, you not only have to be a world class salesperson, which has to deal with conversion because you have the skill to be able to convert at high levels, but you also have to understand technology. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? I think that's a very, very important tool going forward. Yeah, which I is mean, interesting to, because to, I'm aware of is that's uh, leaving you know a large segment of the population who participate in this game again, whose mental maps are just different, that's going to create, you know, an issue for them long term. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that it's so normal now. People are, are people expect you to use DocuSign, right? Yeah. Example of it, right? So these different tools are just so acceptable that it, you have to understand them. And then you also have to make the client experience better while also still being able to provide more value. That's exactly right. And what I would propose is, is that your systems allow you to provide more value and it's moving from being transactional based, which is like, hey, I'll just help you transact to then becoming fiduciary, which is like where I can add value beyond just helping you transact. Right. Like I'm going to help you transact and we're very good at that and we can make that smooth and efficient. But I'm also going to help you, you know, clear out all contents or I'm also going to help you ship stuff back to your mom, you know, in Wisconsin. And I'm also going to help you connect you with vendors who can make this process smooth and easy. And then I'm also going to help you connect you with movers who could do this, this and this. So it's like becoming fiduciary where I'm adding more value, just being transactionary, because with being transactionary, people have a lot of options at their disposal. Right. Yep. So you you were saying like, because what, what comes to mind right now is that we're kind of jumping through a couple of different systems and different things. And I'm sure that some guests will sometimes get excited like, oh, man, I need to have that that tool in my business or oh, what what is that or how do I do that? You don't need any of these tools. What you need is to understand your numbers to figure out what where you need to improve on because you can implement all of these things that I just talked about. But if you you're not doing your initial 12 deals, it's like. You know, you don't have to worry about incoming lead flow rate. You have to learn how to take a listing. That's know? a really good point, man, because like, you know, I see people going to these classes, like trying to learn like command with Keller Williams or like all this other stuff. And I'm like, you guys don't have any deals, man. Like we need deals and then we can worry about systems. So it's like process, right? Like it's first, I got to learn how to hustle. I got to learn how to sell, right? So I can, you know, do some deals. And then once I start to do those deals, then I can start to pay attention to systems that will allow me to scale. So I guess I'm curious because you're doing lots of deals. I'm also where you you do a lot of flips or um, assignments, right, on wholesale. So what are some systems that you're looking to put in place now to allow you to continue to grow and expand? So what I realized is that um, you helped me out a lot. So when, when we first started working together, uh, I was 
doing a, a healthy amount of business, especially being young and just still pretty new at it. But I was running out of time and I knew that I had to start doing something for it. And I also was not enjoying the experience for a couple of different reasons with a lot of the conversations that we had. You're like a freaking therapist. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But very therapeutic, honestly, where I started to enjoy the experience a lot more. Well, it allowed me to enjoy the experience a lot more, to provide more value and be more present with a lot of the people that I was talking to, a lot of the clients. So in turn my value to my clients grew mm. When my clients grows. I can also think a lot clearer as far as what I need to do to get from here to here. And, you know, that in combination with all the other things that I was doing allowed me to jump. And that was, uh, it was after working with you that, I, that I made a pretty big leap and I've hovered around that little area. And, and I've had other things that have come up, which, you know, every year something else comes up that'll sometimes, you know, throw a wrench in your plans. Right. Um, and I've had my assistant quit, which that was a really tough one for me and, you know, my wedding and everything else. And then flips that I was doing. So a couple things that kind of came in to where it made the year a little bit tougher. So 2018, uh, was a tough year because I felt really busy and I wasn't enjoying the experience as much. So when you ask me, what am I working on now? Well, the systems that I'm working on right now are basically everything that can give me back my time. So I I, want to make the same income and more, and then I want to get my time back. So I'm looking at basically, you know, when you're building a system, you're putting a system together because you're either going to increase the the client experience. So the experience is better for the client. The experience is better for you as well. And you're either saving time or making money. I mean, these are the reasons that you want to put a system in place, right? making money now everything in the past was always just let's just make more money that was the 75 percent of it i would say now it's i want to save more time how do i how do i protect more time to allow me to enjoy the experience and this entire ride and then still make sure that we grow the business so that's that's the focus right now i'm looking for different ways where i can save the time still net the same amount of money and more and can and set myself up for for more success I love that. So it, it it went from being about ROI to like ROT, like return on time. Right. And uh, that shift of trying to reclaim time, because in order, you know, I'm aware that most businesses are started by like artists. And by that, what I mean is they have a particular craft that they're very good at. And there's this like uh, very predictable and duplicatable kind of cycle, which is like we pour ourselves into the business. We're very much so operators of it. Uh, meaning that we physically have to be there in order for anything to happen. And if we step away from it, like the whole machine stops and then realizing that, okay, um, what I'm interested in is reclaiming some of my time. I like the money that I'm making and I like to continue to make that and perhaps a little bit more, but how can I reclaim some of my time to free me up to do other things that might be interesting to me or enjoyable to me, whether that's spending time with family, creating other business ventures or, you know, whatever the case may be. Yeah. You've seen that, uh, you know, kind of created a lot of different things or worked on different things over the last couple of years. Yeah. So time became really important to me after a while, after flips, after the rentals, after the Airbnbs and yes. you know, uh, the sales and everything else, wedding and everything else. So time became very important to me, especially last year. But last year was interesting because I feel like every single year is a new chapter in your book, right? So yeah. every every single year you're, you're learning something, you should be learning something, right? 
Um, I'd hate to have a blank chapter, but <laughs> but you should be learning something, and then you you also have the power to create the the next chapter, right? So what do you want the next chapter to be? So when I look at last year, which is my last chapter, it was kind of enjoying the experience a little bit more, and then also kind of understanding where my time was going and where stuff was maybe being lost. Now this uh, this this year is now about growth. Like I'm, I'm pushing for massive growth, and I'm pushing for massive time saving. Mm. Um, anyways, that that's kind of where my head's at, and my that that's where my focus is. So I, I plan to make really big improvements on income, on uh, on and on time. Time is going to be more important uh, at this point because I think 100 deals at this point is pretty. You know, I don't want to say it's easy, but it's it. You know, we. That's not going to be a problem, right? And yeah. your deals provides a, a healthy income, right? Sure. And now the focus is let's get some time back, maintain the income, and now push it forward and set myself up for a massive growth. Yeah. And do you see that massive growth coming from more residential resale or coming from growing and building out the um, kind of wholesale part of what you do? So I, I, I haven't done any wholesale deals. Um, I've purchased wholesale deals, but I'm getting into more of like wholesaling business. So I like the uh, thought and the idea of being able to sell opportunities to other people and then also, you know, buy the ones that I'm able to purchase. I, uh, you know, one of the things that I found in this journey for more time is that the flips take up time as well. So yeah, that's what I was just about to share. Like what I see that happening is, is like a refinement of the approach where the flips take time, energy, effort, resources, mental power, like you have to be overseeing them. You're very much so like a, a manager of the whole process. And with wholesaling, you just assign and like you're done. This is this has been my business, right? It's been flips, sales, uh, rental properties and Airbnbs, right? So that was basically the, the time that I've been wor- working, right? So sales is not going anywhere, That that's fine. Flips, I'm going to start doing a little more wholesale so that way I can basically invest less time, but I'm looking to do a lot more in volume so that will, again, grow as well. And it will also still be able to you know, keep my, the best ones, but it will, again, save more time. For the Airbnbs, those take up a lot, of, a lot more time than regular rentals do. So now I'm looking to trade those into multifamily. So if you notice, everything is a shift towards more time, but still setting me up for better growth. That's right. Yeah, it makes total sense to me. And what I'm all, what I'm also aware of is that it's all vertically integrated. So it's like yeah. you're not trying to like start like a subway shop or something. Like, yeah. <laughs> like these are all in alignment and in the same lane and trying to figure out how can I, you know, extract more kind of value or right. more capital while doing the same thing that I'm doing and then also do it in, in the, either in the same or less time right. and with less involvement. You know, I know we've had that conversation frequently and I'm glad that it's drifted into uh kind of finance because what I'm also aware of is that that cash flow or ancillary streams of income that also buys back time right <laughs> and and doing it in such a way that um, there's there's little if any involvement on your part yeah yeah and you're you're the master of that because I, I, I've seen you save a lot of time so you can focus on your uh, on your art that's right like focus on the craft right like I know that I, what I'm uh, very very good at and um, I want to create an environment in which I can spend my time in that craft. And then I'd much rather find guys like you or other guys who are like really good, let's say at wholesale, or really good at multifamily, like our boy, Uncle G, and uh, just hand them some capital, man. So that way I get checks in the mail and I can focus on, um, you know, the things that not only bring me joy, that I enjoy doing, like being here, talking to you, yeah. uh, 
or being with clients and helping them accomplish their goals and objectives. Yeah. So and that's interesting because what I'm aware of is I feel like you have the ability and capacity, like you're doing these multiple things. Your bandwidth's pretty big where I feel like a lot of people, what ends up happening is they like they get distracted. They would start to do like the Airbnb thing or start to do this thing and they go down the rabbit hole. And what happens is, is that they lose the first flow, like the main flow. Like I liked when you were saying, you're like, look, sales isn't going anywhere. And what I'm aware of is that's the engine that drives the all the others. It's the engine that drives the whole machine. Yeah. And if you notice, that was the first one I mentioned. That's exactly right. And you knew that. So like even yeah. without thinking about it kind of on a subconscious level, you're like, look, this is the most important. Like this one is what allows all these other ones to happen. Right. So I'm not just going to like let go of that flow. Instead, I'm going to, you know, maintain that flow and perhaps grow it a little bit. But now it's at a place where it's providing like a really solid income. And that's what allows me to do these other things like wholesale, buy the properties that we can Airbnb, you know, sell those and convert that into multifamily. So that way we're getting monthly checks in the mail, like that sort of thing. Right. So it's a, it's the one that drives everything else and vertically, vertically integrated. It, it just makes sense, right? Like if you're going to be like, if you're a real estate agent and it just makes sense to stay in real estate, right? Yeah. So in that vein. And I would also propose with these massive and gargantuan changes that we're seeing in our game, uh, that being vertically integrated is not going to be something that's like, Ooh, cool and chic, but I think it's going to be required. I, if you I want think to. so too. Yeah. And we've yeah. talked about that a lot. Like, I think that's really, really important because the, like we talked about like compression, right? So mm -hmm. commissions and things are being compressed and there's a lot of people pushing to get into the real estate industry, not just new agents, right? And that's always happening. But now you got like all these big tech companies that are making a huge push to become yeah. part of real estate. They want to become a resource for real estate, everything real estate. And they want, you know, Zillow obviously wants to become everything real estate, right? Yeah. So they want to become the the, the buyer. They want to become the the seller. They want to become the, the 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 provider for the agent, like leads for agents. They want to be the referral. They want to be the source for information. They want to be the source for rentals, everything. They want to be the lender because they bought a bank like that was 100%. Yeah. So like, I, I think you're absolutely right. And as we see that start to happen with time, that net gets compressed and we have to be consciously and purposely thinking about ways to combat that. And one is volume, you know, which we were talking about, which requires systems in order to do more deals. But the second is, is vertical, vertical integration, figuring out ways to make money within the same vein. So that way, as that net gets compressed, you're compensating for it. And, you know, what it makes me think about is like, um, you know, Procter & Gamble, they have 18 brands that generate a billion dollars. So it's like if one goes just tanks, like goes under, it's like, does that suck? Yes. Like they're not going to be pumped about that at the board meeting, but business isn't going to stop. Right. They're not going to close their doors, right? Like we're good. So I feel like you're very much so ahead of the curve in that way. So. I guess I'm wondering, like, um, I don't know, like five years from now, like, what do you see yourself doing? What do you see yourself kind of, where do you see yourself at? What systems do you think you're going to have in place? Like, so what I see for myself in five years is that my business is obviously, it, I'm, I'm basically growing out like teams, right? And I don't want you to think teams as in you know, like the just traditional team, like uh, real estate teams, the way that we see them and stuff like that, but teams for different parts. So I have a, a strong team that allows me to continue moving forward, right? So I'm putting small pieces in place to continue saving my time, but I want to massively force growth. 
Um, and I think that the best play for that right now, though, at least for for what I know, is going to be in multifamily. So I'm, I'm doing a big push to learn as much as I can about the multifamily space to do exactly what I've done in sales and in flips, which is basically systemize a process to have sustainable growth for a long period of time. Right. Which nothing gets, in my opinion, better or safer than a big, large multifamily apartment building. That's and right. nothing is better than being able to run across them regularly. Right. Like run across great deals that I can find by just learning what I'm doing, but just doing it at a higher level and then doing it at, at, at further reach. So that's why the wholesaling came into to the picture. And that's why I'm learning to I'm looking to get into it. I'm learning more about it because I want to be able to tap into deals in different marketplaces to now start to stumble upon better apartment building deals. Yeah. So, I so love that. So it's interesting. It's like, it's another system, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's again, going along and, and, and taking advantage of the same skills that I already have. Right. So yeah. I ended up doing for sales and then for finding flip opportunities, I'm now just doing a small expansion that sometimes it may seem like, what, what are you talking about? Right. But it's a small, it's a small, a little change that I'm doing. All I'm doing is now just opening up the areas that I'm doing, but I'm, I'm not valuing deals necessarily all that different. The process is the same. You find a good deal, you fix it up, you resell it, you burn it, you, you know, refinance it, whatever, whatever makes the most sense. But the, the, it's small little incremental changes over the course of time. It ends up at, you know, in, in our case, let's say 100, 200 deals. Um, and in other cases, it comes an apartment building. They just got an apartment building with tw- uh, 25 units, right? Like, that's amazing. Um, it's awesome. It's each at a time. It's a little so, change. And it makes me think about, like, uh, how one, one year I did 100 deals and, like, 75 were expired. So I had that system down. Yeah. But the marketplace started to change and shift, and there wasn't enough leads in order for me to do the deals that I wanted. So yeah. I'd like to say that I transitioned like, oh, like, yes, I saw it clearly and I made this easy transition, but that's not what happened. Like I hemmed and hawed. I like, you know, cried about it, got mad about it for like three months. And then I recognized like, oh, I need to apply what I know, but just apply it in a different pool, right? Like a different pond. Exactly. So then we got into, you know, estates and probates and now that ends up being, you know, we'll do like 60 or 70 of those a year. So um, I understand exactly what you're saying as far as. Once you get a system down, it makes me think about um, uh, Elon Musk, where he says, like, somebody asked him, like, how do you innovate in so many different areas? You know, because he's done, you know, Tesla, which me and you both have and love. He's uh, he's done. Uh, yeah, I know. He's done Solar uh, City, which is like an energy company. He did PayPal. Right. He's doing air space. Right. And what he said, I thought was really interesting. He said knowledge is like a tree. And he said, what I'm interested in doing is I'm interested in in getting to the trunk. And then once I get to the trunk, I can go out to the branches. Right. And what he said is very interesting. He's like, once you know the trunk, oftentimes what's true is true and it's applicable in multiple different disciplines. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. That's and that it's really totally summed up like perfectly what you just said, which is like, once I know what's true, then I can begin to apply it in different disciplines within the same kind of you know ecosystem i'm not we're not kind of jumping to like this whole completely different ecosystem but what's true for residential resale which is leads and conversion is also true for multifamily, which is leads and conversion yeah it is so like the best way for me to kind of like uh explain that is sales right so sales getting into uh to like i was working with investors right and helping them flip my dad was flipping so i was helping him find deals i was helping other people find deals and then I kind of figured that part of it out. 
And now you're not really doing anything different. The only difference is that now you're putting in the money. Yeah, now you're the buyer. <laughs> now I get to benefit from the money as well. But now the same thing is like, let's say, for example, you own a rental property. Well, what's different than maybe doing, let's say, an Airbnb? The tools that I was using for my business to automate a lot of things, I just transitioned and put it right over there and it was up and running right away. And, you know, I showed you how much, you know, we were making on those. You words. did, bro. You blew my mind. I was like, oh, my God, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So those are really, really good. Um, and then now, I mean, what's different from finding rental property, single families to now doing multifamily, I'm going to find deals the same way, you know, you pick up the phone, you call someone, you, they're interested in selling it. And yeah. if the deal makes sense, you put it together. Yeah. And there's renovations that are involved. There's refinances that are involved. It's the exact same process, just a different product. Exactly. Just a different product and bigger. And I think what's interesting is part of that is like, this kind of mental evolution into uh, like being okay with that. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, wow. Like, so you see Jose, he does 25 units and you're like, wow, that's awesome, man. Yeah. And then, and then when you get approached with 25, you're like, well, he did it. So like, I can do that. Yeah. Well, the craziest thing is the way that he got the deal, right? Like he got it at, uh, with, uh, with owner financing it's and ridiculous. I completely blew my mind. Cause I'm thinking, oh, you know what, let me, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's a bigger thing. Yeah. I'm going to save up a ton of money. I was like, oh yeah, wait, there's owner financing. You can find, and so what I want to do and what I've talked to Jose about is like, why, why don't we just duplicate that process? And instead of only looking right here in a tiny little town, trying to find mm -hmm. the one seller that would do that type of deal, we can go across the country and look for that deal, right? That's right. And just play in a bigger, uh, 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 in a bigger field. That's what's up. And if you need any money, you call me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we do this deal together, bro. That's what I'm talking about. I love it, bro. And I love how like this is simply- Mr. Capital. That's right, Mr. Capital. And uh, we'll, it's just a simple application of like, once you figure out a system, then you can just, you know, replicate that just in different areas within the same ecosystem. Yeah. You, you, you put the same skills to you somewhere else. And what happens is that it's, it's not that hard, right? Like there's not that much. The only thing that really changes is that it's you give yourself permission to now do it, but you have the confidence to do it when you know the skill, right? Like when you want to jump from prospecting expires to probates, you're applying the same skills. You're going to talk to someone. You're going to basically find out what the issues are. You're going to handle some objections. You're going to make some phone calls and you're going to convert them. Same exact process. So you have the confidence of knowing what's going to happen and how that works. You just now have to direct the energy slightly two degrees to the right. That's right. You know, it's so interesting because as you're saying this, like what popped into my head is I'm doing the same thing with like training, speaking, coaching, and like doing that stuff where like, like I, I went deep on a system of how to present right? and figured out a way to present in such a way that there was a high degree of conversion. And I had to call people to be able to go present. Right. And the same thing is true here where, you know, either people reach out to me and they want me to come do the talk or I reach out to them or I have one of my super fans who I've done a talk for say, hey, is there anybody that we could exactly? Is there anybody that uh, I could, uh, you know, talk to in your neck of the woods? Or can I come talk to your office? And they're like, yeah, like for sure. And they connect the dots. And then I talk to that person. We set up a time to go present. And then uh, we go present. And then leads are generated from that. And when leads are generated from that, then, uh, you know, that ultimately leads to opportunities, right? It's the same thing. It's the same skills applied. Like you were doing, let's say, for example, the team in the Gremlin for so long, how natural was it for you to now like turn that into of a, of a more specific coaching uh, program almost in a way, right? Like it just, it, it naturally moved into that. It wasn't too difficult or, or too much of a big change. It just kind of became that. It just, 
you, you just saw a difference, a little opportunity that you just needed to move two degrees to the right, and there you go. It's exactly right. And it required, like you said, permission. You know, there's always going to be like a little hesitancy. Yeah. And then it required a new kind of um, skill set, right? Because what I've learned is, is that presenting uh, in a group, it's different than presenting individually and how to storytell and things of that nature. So yeah, that's awesome. Huh? It requires a couple of different skills that you got to put in, but the skill of taking action is like, you know, you've got that part of it. You got the framework and, and you got all the right things ready to go. That's exactly right, man. Uh, the two or three ingredients. That's it, brother. Well, hey, listen, man, I sincerely appreciate you. Uh, it's a privilege and a pleasure to be a part of like your experience, to watch you grow and expand and to contribute in some way to your, uh, you know, achievement and what you're able to accomplish. Thank you kindly for taking the time to uh, talk with us today. I think people are going to get tremendous value uh, from our time together. So uh, I appreciate you, brother. I appreciate you having me on, man. I'm honored. Yeah, for sure. You deserve it, man. So, hey, I appreciate you. I'll talk to you next week. And uh, thanks again. All right. Thanks, man. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Aaron Novello podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow Aaron on Instagram at Aaron Novello. Happy hunting.